0: Pigs are good and you love pigs.
1: Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler and I've wasted all my money on wild living. Today, we're talking about how grace is a distinctive of God's family. Barry's here to share his sermon on the prodigal son. But before we roll around in the metaphorical pig pen, now that they've brought out the finest robes in the house, put rings on their fingers and sandals on their feet, let's kill the fat calf and feast with our favorite co-host, Maren and Barry. Good
2: day, guys. Good Good day. Day, that was robust. Sounds sounds like a party is what it sounds like (laughs) to me. Yeah. Sandals, favorite robe. Come on. Barry, sorry about the fat calf. It's yeah, fine I thought you know? about that. Well, guys, they weren't vegetarians back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you went out of your way to talk about how pigs are good and you love pigs.
2: I do. <laughs> They're great. They're great creatures. They're like very, very smart. And I just That's don't want people to think. That's a sound like, clip if I've ever heard one.
0: <laughs> pigs I are
2: just, good and you love pigs. I just didn't want people to think like, well, obviously that being, you know, with pigs is like rock bottom. I don't so know. My, you know how my Dezzy... father-in-law thinks it is. He always thinks. He always tells us, "Don't get pigs on your farm." He had to care for oh. pigs when he was doing like summer jobs in high school. So, anyway. yeah. Just so Debbie draws
0: sermon notes. Right, her yeah. sermon note this week was a picture of you like trying to oh, defend man. pigs. <laughs>
2: okay, that, that was her takeaway. That was her rabbits and of the message this weekend. Trying to defend pigs. Well, well no.
0: She. she the, I think the caption said Barry trying not to offend pigs. Oh, Desi said oh. this? <laughs> Desi. Oh picture. my
2: goodness. <laughs> there are many that say that they are smarter than dogs. Yeah. yeah. So well, the whole like pot belly pig <laughs> thing, like where you
1: put the pig in the house. Yeah. That's a thing. People do that. It is a thing. It is a thing.
2: <laughs> I mean, are you, guys, we can, you can literally You guys have talked about them and right? everything. So yeah, we we've talked about it. Back before bunnies, we were like talking like about well, should we get a pig? Is that our, our creature? But yeah, bunnies happened and now a puppy happened. So, you know,
0: how is the puppy by the way?
2: Yeah. Oh, she's good. Oh, she's good. She is absolutely a doll. She is, she's, um, 95% like wonderful and delightful and sweet and amazing. And 5% like sharp needle cloth fangs that come out and just rip into our what? flesh daily. Like a vampire. So, She's yeah. got those, That's, those puppy, oh, puppy teeth, puppy, puppy, teeth yeah. puppy teeth, and the puppy, uh, biting phase. And, uh, we love her to death, but she'll just, when she's all wound up, like if you don't have a toy ready, it's your, it's your face. It's your, <laughs> it's your arm. Like oh we, we've, we've all got scratches and like scars yeah. all over us now. So oh, yeah. she's great. She had a cone on this past week. I don't know if I mentioned that last time or not. I can't remember if she had that. No. But she so her, last uh, time we did the pod, yeah. uh,
1: basically all he- all heck broke loose at your oh, house after right. that so there's <laughs> no right. there's no there's no reference to the cone last week the
2: day after we uh had the podcast or recorded the podcast last week the um Uh, it was obvious that her stitches weren't doing well from her spay. They were looking a little red and infected. And so, uh, and she was like licking them all the time, which apparently, you know, female dogs should not be doing after their, after being fixed. So anyway, Liv took her to the vet and and they said, Oh yeah, no, they're, they're infected. She needs to wear a cone and take antibiotics and take all this medicine for, you know, a week, two weeks. And, uh, and so, and then Liv comes home to find out that the AC had gone out. And so it was like 80, 82, 82 degrees in our house and everybody's sweating. And so I had to call I'm the, Feeling
0: aggressive. she ended up
2: going and taking Cleo, who was panting uncontrollably over to her parents to sleep in the AC. Anyway, it was, it was all, it was chaos. Yeah. But everybody's good now.
0: Wow. Yeah. You got your AC fixed?
2: It's all fixed. We're, we're in the cool again. It's nice. <laughs> so yeah, so- we're good. This is about the
1: time of the year where like the house fan gets turned on and the AC gets turned off. Yeah, in right. right. so I don't know about you guys. Like, do you guys,
0: you mean like you have a whole house fan?
1: Yeah. So yeah. we turn that on, we open the windows and all of a sudden it's like 50 degrees in the house.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> do you guys have this?
2: No,
0: uh, no. Yeah.
2: Oh, all right. <laughs> Never mind. I don't even know. We've only had been in the house a year. year now. <laughs> I don't remember what we did in the fall, so <laughs> we'll find yeah. out. Maren,
1: what's new with you? What's going on?
0: Um, I don't know that anything's new per se. Um, I'm exhausted. That's what's going on. It's Monday. <laughs> Feeling pretty tired. Yeah. So Big. What do you what are you
1: what what have you been doing that that's making you so tired? Did working, you...
0: Tyler. I've been doing a lot of working. Um, but Friday yeah. was a lot of fun. Friday was the encore night at the 146th uh, Street campus. That was the outdoor kind of review of different numbers from different mm-hmm. uh, productions we've done in the past, and,
1: and you reprised your role do in the future. as a...
0: yeah, even some that we might do in the future. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I, rep- I reprised my role as Mrs. Corey from Mrs. Mary Corey. Yeah.
1: So there was dancing. Yes. Lots I survived the
0: dancing. Yes. Uh,
1: was Desi participating as well? She
0: was. She was. Oh, it good. was awesome. It was so awesome. Yeah. yeah.
1: Does uh does does Jaden do this? Does he do like performing arts or is he just like music man?
0: He is he's done I think it I think he's man done and one, one play in his school. And he like won an award for it because he's, mm-hmm. he's really good at it, but he never has, he doesn't have time for it. And I think if he had to choose one thing, it's going to be banned over theater just yeah. at this point in his life. But He's, he's really good. I remember when I saw him, he had to do something where he cried and he like actually made real tears come out. It was, wow. I, was I was shocked. Did he pull he the nose hair him.
1: out of his nose?
0: <laughs> I don't know what he did, but it was pretty good. That's the trick. So. But no, he would, in fact, so he's in the marching band, Fishers High School. Yeah. They had a football game and football games are done so differently. You guys, I don't know how much you would know about this, but because hey, so of, much, I know <laughs> so much about you football. Are you assuming we don't play right football?
1: football? Huh? You're assuming we didn't play football.
0: No, I'm assuming you don't have high school age students in a pandemic. Oh, so yeah. it's yes. like, I think it was senior night at Fisher's high school and the senior players got to invite four people. So, I couldn't have gone to that game to see my son march. I couldn't have gone if I wanted to. Oh yeah. You're yeah, having yeah. to kind of break it down and I think the coming weekend is junior night or something. I'll have to wait for yeah, for junior night, I wow. guess. He's a junior now. Wow. That just hit me. Um so well, anyway, Desi and I were off doing our thing while he was over at the high school doing his thing and yeah, we're all busy. So like
1: when you're playing football in a game Having fans there is great, but regardless, there's going to be a winner and a loser. And then there's like a dis- defined outcome. Yes. And purpose
0: that for playing sport. the game. Yes.
1: When you're in marching band, <laughs> is he like having a good time when no the fans time there? in
0: his life. He is oh, with no fans? Goodness.
1: Like what's the point of doing it if nobody's going to listen to it?
0: I think it's the camaraderie and just the energy. Like it's the pep band or the, the way that they play during the game. Adds so much energy just to the to the air overall. Yeah. You know, so he's doing it for um, the air. He's doing it. He's <laughs> doing it for the air. He he came. We we all came home after our long day on Friday. How'd your thing go? It went really well. Jaden, how did your thing go? Oh, it was awesome. And he mm-hmm. just like geeks well, out. That's a good, man. Because I,
1: I feel like I'd be like, if nobody's gonna watch this, I'm not doing it.
0: No. So so they did the first. I think movement of what will be their fall show. So like this is the time of year where they start to kind of reveal the, the show in pieces as Mm. these weeks go by and they revealed the very first piece of it. The thing that they've been working on all summer long, finally got its first audience small as it may have been, got its first audience Friday night. And it's cool because band parents will be there and they know that, many of us weren't even allowed to go. So they took video of it. So when I got home from the encore thing Friday night, I was watching video of Jaden do his thing. Oh, cool. And Jaden like ran downstairs to watch it over my shoulder. And he's only listening to his section, so you'd hear, you'd hear just the drums. The drums do something flashy, and he'd be like, "Oh, ooh, you hear that? Oh!" And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I was watching the guard." <laughs> oh, so so yeah. it's not just
1: a recording of his part. He's just paying attention no, to that part.
0: It's like a band of yeah. 250 kids on the field, but he is like zeroed in on his yeah. section. It was funny because no one else
2: is watching, so you got <laughs> You're going to point that out. Well, Tyler, I I did marching band for one year, freshman year of high school. And yeah, and I got to say, I understand it. I don't think, I mean, it's nice to have people watching, but there's something about like getting the formations correct. And like, you've got to be moving and thinking about, you know, Pacing and and the all the different there's so many different factors that when you like pull it off it's like a huge achievement I don't know I yeah I think, but if no yeah. one's there couldn't you just say yeah we nailed it we got I all think the formations could, but right. why would you do that you, <laughs> you want to do it you want to accomplish something
0: yeah you're competitive with yourself yes so like Jaden knows that. 99.9% of the audience is not going to understand the technicality of whatever drum piece he right. just did, but right. he's competing with himself. Yeah. Right. He's competing with himself to play it cleaner and tighter yeah. every time. And like, mm. he gets the most joy when his section is doing their best, when the section is tight and everyone's together, that's like, that's like winning a season for him. Yeah. Did you play sports, Tyler?
1: Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Sports <laughs> is different because it's like there's a there's a defined outcome that will stand in the history books and get printed in the newspaper. Of Like who won and who lost and who did well and who did terrible.
0: Well, and there is that for marching band, too, because they are they're gearing up for their competitive season, which, again, it's quarantine. So most of the largest competitions that they go to have all been canceled. But normally this time of year, what they do at the halftime show is practice. Exactly. Okay, Compared yeah, to I didn't know the that big part. competitions. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right. There well, is always sense. a defined loser though. When Toby trips over his tuba, like it's always, <laughs> <laughs> there's always something like that where you're like, well, oh, we didn't man. nail it. We didn't oh, nail it. Come on. Oh, Toby. The drama. <laughs> um,
1: you all right. okay, Tyler,
2: you got a big, you got a big anniversary today. A big anniversary hey, today, happy guys. Anniversary.
1: Seven years. I don't, seven years. Man. Seven years. And I don't know who I said I was saying this to, but last week where we my wife and I were talking about, you know, anniversary rolling around another year and um, I'm like, wow, that's seven years is a long time. I mean, I've never done anything <laughs> for seven years. So like, this is great. And her comment was, do you know that most people get divorced an average seven years
0: <laughs> oh my. I'm so like,
2: now now you can now just like hang it over us for the next year.
0: That's so funny. No, how good. long have you guys been married? We've been married 17 years. That's
2: Whoa. So funny. Yeah. It's so funny because all three of us are the same age and yeah. we've got 17 years, seven years, and three years. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's great, man. I was I was looking through
1: photos today because you, you have to do the social media. Blast of happy anniversary.
0: You mean you want to? Uh, You were looking for photos because you wanted to do the social media thing.
1: (laughs) If nobody did social media on like birthdays and yeah, I'd be fine. You don't need to do it, but it's like, and especially if she does it, then you got to do it.
0: You You got to do it back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But everybody's kind of like looking for that, I guess.
0: Jed and I don't do that. Great it's it's not an obligation we decided that years ago like eh, if you want to that's fine but there's there's zero obligation to put but, each other on blast like that
1: but if he did you would be like well now i have to
0: not necessarily no No. Do you want to know the worst thing we ever did? Maybe
1: you're just better than all of us. I'm
0: probably just super unromantic, but (laughs) like, like anniversary cards, I'm kind of a hoarder. So if he's going to give me a card then I'm going to feel this obligation Mm -hmm. to keep it for all of time. Right. And I have this like drawer that's like just full of cards. Do you ever reread
1: them? Do you ever look at them?
0: Um, Maybe every 10 years, every five or six years. Like, honestly, maybe I've looked at them once in the 17 years we've been married. So we I did am... this thing one year where we were like, okay, let's just go to the grocery store, <laughs> find the coolest anniversary card we can find and just show it to each other. Like in the aisle. Just show it. Sport. We're not going to yeah. buy it. We're just going to yeah. show it. No, <laughs> we just picked out <laughs> cards, showed each other yeah. and then went home. That's and it was funny. Great.
1: <laughs> I am i uh, I'm very much against cards because I'm not a hoarder and the cards the life shelf the shelf life of a card is like 24 seconds
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> But <like laughs> because
1: when you just you, admitted you're never going to read it again and so it's like it's going to take up space somewhere so let's just yeah let's just <laughs> not do the card I can speak to you what I would say in a card and that's it I'm barely I'm barely pro wrapping
2: paper hello <laughs> Wow, he's just laying it all out there. The shelf life of wrapping paper, man. That is, I could never say that in this household. This is uh, live cares deeply about things like uh, oh, memorializing events and birthdays, and no, I'm into birthdays, just not. I'm just not into the card part. Oh,
0: (laughs) so are you doing a gift? Is there an anniversary gift this year?
1: Yeah. Well, yes. So. She she told me what she wanted, and uh, I got that.
2: <laughs> Way to go! <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, she. You
1: know what? So the past, I, I don't like talking about it because every time I talk about it, someone's like, "Hey, can you do this for me?" So I draw houses. It's something that
0: I saw you working on that the other day.
1: It's something that I just learned or just started doing, and um, it's not something I love doing, but it's something that I just have grown to kind of be decent at and so i've drawn like 10 houses over the last couple of years for people on christmas and stuff and so we moved houses last year and she wanted a picture of our old house and a picture of our new house drawn hmm. oh and so i did that um but inevitably somebody like my mom's like work friend or something will be like <laughs> can you give me a picture
2: of a house. All right. Uh well so Taylor, I did that. then all you have to do is respond to them and say yes, I do it for $250 or whatever like would be worth it for you to do it. It's pretty time consuming dollars. Huh? Yeah. And which, then if they're willing to pay it then boom you got six hundred dollars to yeah, do something. That's true.
1: It. I'm always like yeah 35 bucks and then it's never <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yeah it's not uh, worth it. Right. Yeah and so she uh got me a present which is gonna be great but I was telling her that's not like an anniversary Present that's like a birthday or like so she's like she invited my friend to come into town and he and I are going to go golfing.
0: Ah, which that's is great.
1: Cool. It's going to be fun. But I was like, I feel it bad that my present is to not be with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. <Happy anniversary. laughs> it feels a bit weird, but that's what we're doing.
0: Ah, uh, well, congratulations. And then we went out you. Friday night.
1: Yeah, thank you, um, guys. We're uh, wrapping up Hope Month. Yep. Here another, year. Another, another year, another year, another hope month. Yep. Four more to go until all the six broken places are completely healed. healed. <laughs> um, uh, so we, we focused this past month on isolation. We were in our last week for sermon series called never alone. And wow, good uh, job.
2: Yeah. Woo! He Nailed it. He got
1: it. God rules. Uh, so Barry, you gave the, you gave the closing sermon. Uh, of this sermon series. And so anybody who may have missed it or has not heard it yet, what was the big idea? And talk a little bit about, because you wrapped everything up um, Mm -hmm. in this sermon, talk a little bit about uh, like the big idea of hope month and how you kind of concluded the series with your sermon this past weekend. Sure.
2: Um, So I, I uh, preached from the story in Luke 15 of the lost son, AKA the prodigal son, or as I ultimately called it, the lost sons, the parable of the lost Mm -hmm. sons. Uh, and really the big idea was just that, um, one of the primary, the thing that kind of ties all the ideas we've talked about in hope month together, when it comes to healing, the broken place of isolation is family. Um, and the idea that, that, God's family, the distinctive of God's family is grace and all are welcome. And it doesn't matter what you've done. You have a place in, in God's family. And because of that, that kind of should drive us to, do all the things that we've already talked about this, this series, uh, to treat people with dignity, to move close to them with proximity, to open your life to them and hosp- with hospitality to, um, to seek unity with them. So, um, because of all those things, when it, when we start to consider ourselves as a part of the family of God, it, it should shape us to be like the father who ran and opened his life up to his son, who had basically you know, spat in his face and mm-hmm. run off with half his money, he still welcomed him with open arms because he loved him and he was his family. And and the, the challenge on the flip side is that the story doesn't end with that. It ends with the older son not open to the idea of the younger son mm-hmm. being welcome, welcomed back. And it really is a challenge. And and I mean, it kind of ended up being a little bit of a, um, I guess yes. a bit of a provocative sense of, of, um, uh, am I willing to pursue those who are isolated when they don't meet my criteria of what deserves it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, I yeah. kind of ended with that as a, as a a way of thinking about our own approach to this. Cause it's really easy to think, well, sure. Let's all be like the father, but in a really divided time, like right now, uh, mm-hmm. it's way easier to be the older brother. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I was talking about this weekend. And, and yeah, so overall we heal the broken place of isolation by, um, approaching the world the way that God and, and his son approached the world.
0: Hmm. Was it Luke 15, Barry? Was that, that what I said? Is that the wrong passage? The, no, I, I looked it up earlier and it, I just want to make sure I'm being accurate. Um, I think it was. Tell me if I'm yeah, right or if I'm wrong. I'm pretty wrong. sure
2: it's Luke 15. Yeah.
0: I'm just encouraging people to go read it because the two stories that come before it, when I mm-hmm. rewatched your message today, Barry, um you said that Jesus was hanging out with a bunch of sinners Mm -hmm. and that when he launches into this passage about the prodigal son, it says to illustrate this point further. Yes. So he was already kind of in the middle of something when he broke off and told this story to further illustrate what he was saying. And there are two different stories right before he tells this story that Say the same thing. It talks about Mm -hmm. how there's great rejoicing when a sinner comes to repentance. There's great rejoicing when that lost son is found or when that lost thing is found. And so, I don't know. I found it helpful in light of everything you said to read the two stories that came before it. They're very short. Mm -hmm. Um, One is about the woman who loses a coin and the other is about a, a man who loses a sheep, but just to bring it home, God personified that mm-hmm. story with the story of the sons. So yeah. anyway, that's just an encouragement to the listener listener. When you get a chance, just read the whole chapter. It's and a we good all know thing. what that's called. That's called the world of
2: the text. <laughs> Got to bring <laughs> in that little yeah, uh, bring, uh, <laughs>
0: terminology
1: there. Uh, it's a good thing. Jesus was a good storyteller hmm. because we all know the person or people who are not good storytellers, but they love telling <laughs> stories and yeah, they like either take too long or they can't find the words they want to say or yeah. they get distracted. And if Jesus was like back to back to back story, like illustrating the same point, he's just like mm-hmm. pulling, I don't know. I, I don't know if the prodigal son like literally happened or if he just like mm. made that up on the spot. But that was like, that's brilliant because the prodigal son story is the one that like keeps on giving. Like we preach about this yeah. more than once. Yeah. And yeah. there's probably been sermons throughout the history of time tons of sermons about the prodigal son. Absolutely. Books, yeah. You know, it's, it's a thing that keeps on giving and you, you even brought it up in your sermon. Like every time you read it, you discover new, new things, uh, every time you study it. And so this time you were looking at it through the lens of isolation. Um, so I was curious about your process, Barry, I know we dis- de- determined like the, the topics of yeah. hope month early on, but take me through the process of creating the sermon, because did you know that when we decided isolation was like the topic at hand, that you were going to use this story to illustrate isolation, or was it something that you discovered as you were studying, like maybe recently or in the past that you were like, this is a story about isolation and it has to be told through that lens. Yeah.
2: Um, This is, so there's two different kinds of sermon series or even sermons. There's, there's uh, topical, sermons like this particular series where you're kind of jumping around through scripture to talk about different topics. And then there are expository messages where you're just going through a portion of scripture and you just preach whatever the scripture happens to be about or whatever. And there are some people who hold very tightly to you can only do expository preaching and topical, you know, is, is, is terrible. And other churches that just do topical almost every time, uh, we are in a bit of a weird spot because we, we do topical, but we don't just do the topic today is love. And here's 25 different passages about love. We, we always look at one passage and go really deep. So even when we're doing a topical series, we try to kind of do a hybrid of expository and topical. So anyway, sorry, anyway, this particular series, uh, we knew it was going to be topical because we're talking about healing, isolation, and there isn't one particular passage that I found. I, I, I tried, but there isn't one particular part of scripture that I thought covered all of what we wanted to talk about. And so um, my first bit of process was uh, both alone and with the preaching team began thinking through um What are some of the elements that that are a part of healing isolation? And what are some of the scriptures that come to mind as we think about this? And it was just kind of a big kind of brainstorming uh, time. And and so ultimately, the 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 topics kind of came to my mind of proximity and hospitality and all that stuff, along with then starting to, to have certain scriptures come to mind. And I don't know, it was kind of a lot, somehow I ended up with the five passages and the five mm-hmm. uh, topics and they all seemed to fit in my mind. And, and I knew family was going to be this one. And um, originally it was okay. going to be a, a real short message. And then we were going to have the weekend of service, but the, you know, and have like everybody going out and serving together. But the pandemic kind of mm-hmm. threw a wrench in that. that. And so uh, I said, okay, I'm going to do a full sermon about family. And then as I was saying that the prodigal son came to mind and I started to realize, Oh, this actually really clicks, uh, with, with what, what I'm trying to get at. And then as I was writing the message, I pointed this out in the message, but I didn't do this intentionally. But as I started looking at the story, I realized that the father in the story does all of the things that we had talked about in this, in the series so far, Mm, you know, uh, dignity, proximity, hospitality, unity, like all of those in his brief, couple of, pa- couple of verses in his, his response to that son. And so I thought, wow, this is, this is just a, a perfect way to, wow. to tie up the series and bring it all, all home. So that was kind of a long answer, but that's, that's kind no, of that's how the series came about.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was so powerful when you, when you brought it all together in the actions of the father. And it made Mm -hmm. me wonder kind of what Tyler just asked you, did you start with, okay, here's how the father heals isolation. Mm -hmm. He draws near to his son. So we'll Mm -hmm. do a week on proximity and he Mm welcomes them in. So we'll do a week on hospitality. It it seems like it could have come about that way because it was so perfect the way it tied everything together
2: I wish I was that clever I'm not I think the spirit the spirit may have had a hand in uh, bringing those things together the way you did
0: yeah yeah
2: all right so let's
1: you you focused uh on these things you call distinctives of family and you kind of went down the list of like some distinctives of Olivia's family and then distinctives Mm -hmm. of your family and then distinctives of god's family and that's those yeah. are can you can you kind of help um crystallize what that really means because i was trying to think of stuff from my family like we like being together i, I don't know like what 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 equals
2: a distinctive i guess hmm. i guess i just think it's the it's either the reputation that the family has or mm-hmm. it like or it's something that um Uh, It's just something that everybody in the family knows. Like, well, this is just how we are. Like, we're always late to things. Or we're always this Uh, or that. Traits. They're they're things that they could be bad. They could be bad, yeah. 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 Or they could just be like nuances or quirks that the family has. Um, Like, I I mentioned... I jokingly mentioned the fact that, like, there are some families that all have a very specific type of dog. Like, I know of at least (laughs) two families where, like, multiple generations all have chihuahuas. And I'm like, okay,
0: well... Sure, yeah, that's Chihuahua a distinctive. We're probably of thinking family. of the same family. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh family my
2: goodness. Of, yeah. <sighs> uh, anyway, so like, that, that's what I think of as a distinctive. But what What are you known for? And and the family of God, I, in theory, we are known as a family of grace. That is mm-hmm. that is what defines us. We Everyone is welcome. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the
1: distinctives are, are grace. And it's always interesting to me if the father in the prodigal story is kind of embodying the distinctive of or the family of God, if he's embodying how we ought to treat one another. Um, it's always interesting to me the part where he's like a no questions asked dad.
0: Mm -hmm. He's like,
1: even when the older son brings it up and he's like, what about this? What about this? You've spent money on his prostitutes and blah, 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 blah. What about this? And the father doesn't even like acknowledge. Right. He says, all that I have is yours. Yeah. Come, come join the party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yesterday, Milo took a nap and instead of taking a nap, he found a marker (laughs) and uh, colored all over the wall (laughs) and himself and his clothes and just like all over. All right. So I wasn't a no questions asked dad in that moment. I was, uh, you didn't what? say, Milo, all that I have is yours. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Let's
2: celebrate. Let's celebrate my grace. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: I was, uh, what are you thinking, dad? Yeah. And, yeah. um, that's, yeah, that's usually the posture I take. I feel like every week I'm like confessing things during this, <laughs> this series. I'm confessing yeah. things. That's usually the posture I take with adults as well is like, what are you thinking? Like, what, what were you thinking when you did that?
0: Um,
1: I usually want to know why people do stuff, but grace and love doesn't ask why it's just like, right. Everything I have is yours. Right. And the amount of like humility that that would take for that to be a distinctive of my family hmm. is like a lot of work. And it sounds really, it sounds really nice to be like, yeah, the distinctive is love and grace. But like that is, right.
2: that is a very humbling posture. Right. Mm. How would how would most people in the situation of this father respond when their son came home? They may say, "Look, I love you. Of course you're welcome here. But it's going to take you some time to rebuild the trust that yeah. you that you lost when you took all my money and left." Like that's yeah, not you owe me or you got like say, six yes, months a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's kind of wild when you really think about the implications of what it would mean to be so so overflowing with grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was really interesting when you said that if these are the distinctives, the if love and grace are the distinctives of God's family, then the mm-hmm. older
2: son was a prodigal. Yeah. Right. Because he, well, he, yeah, he was a lost son prodigal. Actually, the word actually means like extravagant and wasteful. And so it doesn't technically work for the oh. older son, but they both were lost sons. And yeah. so, yes, yes. He uh, was becoming lost. He was cutting himself off from the family in a similar way to the younger son. Do you think this happened? Do you think the story happened or Jesus just made it up on the spot? I think he made it up. I don't think it was a real story or I mean, could have, it could have happened, but I I think, I think he was using storytelling as a way of mm-hmm. trying to just drive a point home that people wouldn't, wouldn't hear if he were to just flat out tell them you don't represent Yahweh's love. Like if he had said that it would have been a complete you know, slap in the face, but yeah. instead he tells a story where they can start to see themselves in the story. And, and yeah.
0: And so. I, f- I think that I, I agree with that. I think it's a story because of the two stories that came before it. Mm-hmm. So when you read in its context, that sinners liked to listen to the teachings of Jesus, I wonder why they liked To find where he was and sit around and listen to him talk. If he was talking all this high level religious jargon that only the Pharisees could understand, probably common sinners wouldn't be hanging out, sitting around, wanting to listen to him talk. Mm, So through story, he had a way of breaking it down and bringing it to the hearts of the people in a way that they could really connect with.
2: Yeah, and this is what we're going to talk about in October when we get into the parables of Jesus. We're gonna we're gonna have a whole BYOB series about that. And what, what's so interesting about the parables is that he's not well. A he's, he doesn't just teach these moralistic facts like here are some facts to believe or not believe, and then people can decide whether they're in or out. He he tells stories which cause people to think and question and wrestle and all of that. But beyond that, the stories that he tells are not necessarily they're not Aesop's fables, like they're not mm-hmm. obvious, like, oh, there's the moral of the story. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, wait, what? Why is the kingdom like a mustard seed that becomes like a, <laughs> a large bush and birds yeah. nest in its branches? Like, what are you trying to say, Jesus? What does that even mean? Yeah. You know, and so part of what he does is he's telling these stories because they are, pro- they, they they provoke mm-hmm. wrestling and questioning, and I bet, I mean, I could imagine all these, you know, people coming to hear him. Obviously, if there's, if there's hundreds and hundreds of people, they're not all debriefing stuff afterwards with the whole group. They're probably breaking off and having dinner together and being like, okay, what in the world did he mean by that? And Mm -hmm. they're like, well, I think he means this or they're saying, well, but what about this? You know, I could Mm -hmm. imagine it just provoking incredible conversation and growth in community versus just, all right, guys, here's some facts about God. Don't Mm -hmm. question it. Just go (laughs) off and believe it. Uh, You know, it wasn't that. And so it's interesting. We'll talk more about it in October.
0: Well, and I keep going back to the reason he told this story was he that Pharisees, religious people were upset with him for eating with sinners. Mm-hmm. and he tells the story to say, "Don't you get this is the point the The healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do yeah. in yeah. in this scenario, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were like that older brother, shut out in the cold. All upset that Jesus would be choosing to spend his time feasting eating with with mm-hmm. sinners, so right. i don't know it's I mean, it's less a story about parenting to me as right. a parent and more a story of how I am to treat the people around me yeah and right and not shut them out and not isolate them and and one thing that I
2: think we we tend to think uh, of Pharisees as like the bad guys. Uh, And in some senses they are, you know, in the story, but like, I don't necessarily think it was so black and white for Jesus. I don't think he went around just like despising Pharisees because in general, I mean, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of Israel. And there's a reason that that the older son, that the, the father tells the older son, like everything I have is yours. You've been with me this whole time because the Pharisees, they are the ones who are stewarding the, the ancient texts and uh, helping to guide the people in their faith. The the problem is not that they're Pharisees. The problem is that as Pharisees, they are choosing to reject the heart of the father. And so Uh, that's what Jesus is calling out in them. He's not saying, no, sinners are good. Pharisees are bad. He's saying everybody's welcome, but Mm. you're choosing to exclude yourself in, yeah. in, by your thinking, which I think is just a, it's a distinctive that we miss. Cause we just tend to think Pharisees are the bad and bad people. And Jesus is just going around <laughs> dunking on them every chance he gets. I think he's trying to, he's trying to bring them in. He's, he's beckoning them in. He's saying, look, come into the celebration guys. Like you are welcome. And you, you have a place here. So, um, I think
0: anyway. it's because of that one time he called them whitewashed tombs that were like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them right. Jesus.
2: Right. And and even like Paul, we look at Paul's story and we're like, yeah, he was gonna be a Pharisee, but now he's a good guy. Like, no, I think he was a Pharisee, a zealous Jewish man, religious leader, and he never stopped being that, even though he didn't join the actual official sect of the Pharisees. He that that whole world is the world that he continued to inhabit. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a whole other story we'll talk about that the new perspective of paul some other day but um <laughs> so yeah. when jesus
1: showed up the pharisees had been around for a while right sure yeah okay they, so- they
2: were i mean you could kind of trace their lineage as a movement back to even after the exile when or even into the exile when um the religious leadership of israel had to be a little bit more dispersed because israelites were all over the uh all over the world you had rabbis who were you know teaching in small small areas that would teach and then pharisees became kind of the the uber rabbis the rabbis for the entire nation kind of thing and they became the yeah the religious
1: leaders it's interesting how we view like i was just thinking about how we view pharisees now and you've said we think of them as the the, the bad guys but like for a long long time they were the good guys right like they they were doing the right things and they were following all the rules that they thought were the right things and then Jesus showed up and changed everything and they were they were uh were they just slow to change or they just didn't like the idea of change or it was like a whole new way to think and they were, like their 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 speed or whatever of of adopting a new way of thinking or way of living was like not right there and so we think of them as bad guys but like right. there's those people in 2020 where it's like we gotta change some stuff because right. of whatever it is. And there's the, the and historically, I guess, the people that are slower to change get the short end of the stick, even though it's like, yeah, things were like,
2: we were doing the right stuff before you showed up and right. like, just give us a minute. Right. Yeah, so, Pharisees were, right. I mean, from the beginning, they were very focused on living out the law of God. Like God, God yeah. gave his intentions for the world and they were all about living it out. The, the thing that they had a problem with when Jesus came in is that he said, guys, you're missing the point of it all. Right. It's about grace and love and mercy. And God wants everyone... To join his family, you've turned adherence to the law into uh, a a form of of, of a purity test, where you're actually in the business of excluding others. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is there saying, "Like, no, let's draw these sinners in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, rather than keeping them at arm's length. Let's draw them in." And to the Pharisees, they're like, "Well, no, because our whole point is trying to be pure to the law. You can't, you can't bring in that impurity. It's like the leprosy that I talked about last week, you know." Th- their mentality was you got to keep lepers as far away as possible. So they don't in- infect the purity of what we're trying to build. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. The, my purity, the purity of, of the father, it is what spreads. That's what infects the world. God's purity and wholeness infects. And so we should be going to those who are broken and sinful and bringing God's love and healing, hmm. not the other way around. It shouldn't be that, that, you know, we should be excluding them so that we can be, pure and holy, God's holiness is ready to spread. And so, yeah, yeah. anyway.
0: That's, it reminds it just, me of when when somebody asked, in the Bible, somebody asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. And he knew it was, what was it called? The Shema Israel. Love the Lord your God with all your mm-hmm. heart. Um, the Lord our God is one, right? Like So love mm-hmm. him first. Love him mm-hmm. first. But and then he, he in says in the second says, is this, yep. yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. So the Pharisees might have had the you know, purity, devotion to God. That's Mm -hmm. what they were trying to do. Love God with all their heart, but they were neglecting loving their neighbor, loving their neighbor as themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For the first time I'm like putting myself in the position of the Pharisees and having empathy. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Yeah. uh, Why
2: would I believe this dude? You know, it's like, He's literally, he's literally this guy who's called himself as a rabbi and he's from, Yeah, I mean, I feel real, like I would be a Pharisee as well. I, I, I keep using that as an example. Cause it's like, I mean, he'd be coming from Appalachia or something in the United States. That, that's yeah. what, that's what Nazareth was. It's not, I mean, he's not like a urbane, hmm. you know, uh, city slicker. He's coming from Galilee, you know? So, yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like I'd be a Pharisee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just like how I, when I hear new information and I've got like, I've spent my entire life dedicated to this thing. Like Paul's a zealot, like dedicated. And then some dude from Appalachia shows up and tells me I'm missing the entire point. I'm like, get out
2: of here. We're having an animal crisis. Hold on a second. Uh Uh-oh. Oh. Hold on. Rue and uh, Cleo are, are meeting each other. Just a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose? What <laughs> happened? Uh-huh. I think
0: that
2: that might have been my fault, everyone. I'm sorry. I, I think that door was not entirely closed and Rue figured out how to get through it. She's like a velociraptor in Jurassic Park getting through doors. Anyway. Well, is, is everything? everybody... Everything's I've, fine. I just everyone's saw a, friends. Little gray, a little gray blur go past <laughs> and then I saw a large brown blur chasing her. So, you okay, Rue? She's okay. She's fine. They're going to be best friends eventually. They love each other through the through the fence. They're very curious. It's just going to take, take time. It's just going to take yeah. time. And Cleo probably needs to chill out a little bit and not have uh, fangs and needle teeth all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, all
0: right. um So you think you would be a Pharisee, Tyler? Yeah, just because. Ah, do you ah, identify oh no. more? <laughs> no, with, no,
1: <laughs> do you got,
0: identify more with the the prodigal son mm-hmm. or the brother standing out back on the porch?
1: <laughs> you know, um, it, it depends on what season of life I'm in. Night. Really, I mean, I think that maybe apply to everybody, but. Uh, currently it's it's the brother it's like wait a minute
0: hmm. i've
1: been doing all this stuff or like right. i uh how could you possibly think that that is the right way to go about business or like mm-hmm. the right way to think about the world? Or how could you possibly think like Marin, you and Jed came over to my house. Cause I was like, hang on, something you said. No, I'm not, I'm not jiving with that. You got to come explain this to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, like I said, I'm not the, I'm not, I'm not usually the no questions asked guy. Like I got a lot of questions. And um, so I'm usually the resonate with the older brother. Cause it's like, it's not that I think I deserve anything. Like I don't necessarily Deser- I deserve an answer I guess but it's not like I, I, I'm i jealous or something but it's, it's more of a like I've dedicated my life to this issue or these things that I think or this belief system and now dude from Appalachia showing up and telling me I'm wrong or like I'm missing the entire point I'm gonna get prickly about that mm. and um, yeah so I I guess I would resonate with the older brother more than the younger one at this point, but there's definitely a time in my life where I was the younger brother, dude.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I mean, where I went in the message, I I was speaking to myself as much as anyone else. Uh, When it comes to my, there are some people that I find a a much easier time of imagining uh, God's grace playing out for them. People who are, broken and lost and making who maybe are making bad decisions because of generational sin. Like I, I can imagine God's grace just pouring out abundantly for them. But then when there are people that I see that I just think, man, you are, you just miss the point. Like you mm-hmm. are, uh, whatever, whatever opposite side of the spectrum you're right. on. Like I, I get, I, I have a much harder time of not just, I, I guess I can accept in theory the idea that okay, sure, we're all in the same family, but but the idea that they would somehow receive abundant grace after you know doing say, or saying things that I'm just really that I find reprehensible, like that. That's where I I struggle and I become like the older brother. I'm I'm like God. I don't know how you could have grace for some someone like that, right? I think yeah. we all kind of do that at times.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I yeah. kind of was I had to pause your sermon, when you talked about grace being a distinction or a trait of the family of God, you said, no matter who you are or no matter what you've done, not even the mistakes of your past, like those don't matter. You are welcome in the family of God. You belong here. There's, yeah. there's grace for you. And I think every one of us would nod our head and say, yes, but I, I agree with you. I think if you have, in my family at least, there are people in my family that have sensational transformation stories of I once was lost, but now I'm mm. found. Like my own, my own mother had a sensational story like that. Mm. I was in a gutter somewhere and God picked me up and turned me around and sure, there's grace for you. That's that's not hard for me to grasp. But it's it's people who are who are currently like saying something I'm opposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> not the people who, yeah, you used to be such a sinner. It's so cool. You don't do drugs anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's, it's not, I don't have a hard time understanding grace when it comes to stories like that. I think I have a hard mm-hmm. time extending grace when it comes to um, the the parts of people in the here and now Yes. That just great. They just great on me. Like, really? Right. How can you believe that? Really? Right. How can you think that? How can you stand for that? Do you, really? Yeah. It's it's much harder to to, be, you know, be all happy about unmerited grace <laughs> when it comes yeah, right. to people like that.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and, and what would make the most sense to us, again, would be for the father to be like, hey, I'm so glad you're home now. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to work, work off what you've, what you owe me, you know, and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to rebuild trust by showing that you can be trusted by doing X, Y, Z. And then when you do that, you're welcome to come back to our, our family. Okay. Mm, But we'll start there. That's what we expect. But instead he throws him a feast for literally abandoning the family and taking half of their wealth. Like, what <laughs> you know and that's when it's like that's exactly what you're saying Marin. it's like yeah, I would, I'm, the, I'm the older brother I'm okay yeah. if he's gonna go through this long process of transformation before we throw him a feast and say hey how great <laughs> that he came around yeah he's gotta show then, me something first he's gotta yeah. show me that he's on the team
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: but instead it's like no he feast came first back. Yeah. right
0: right he came back his father didn't throw him this party while he was out there feeding pigs right he, the, the son came home yeah. and that that does exhibit humility on the part of the son. My favorite part of the story is that while the son was still afar off mm-hmm. the father went running. He didn't yeah. even wait for him to get all the way to the door. Right. It's <laughs> there might be listeners that that have people in their family that they are just waiting for them to come home, waiting for them to to, to sober up, you know, to come to their senses. And the minute you sense that happening with that person, hmm. you'd be rejoicing like this father was rejoicing. You'd yeah. be yeah. so excited to see this person um, come come home and not just physically like come to your house, but like mm-hmm. come to their senses. I love that part in the story too. the The prodigal son is feeding pigs and the pig food looks so good. And yeah. that's when he comes to his senses yeah. that, man, even my father's servants eat better than this. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole story just takes us on such a journey. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And it, it, so that's an interesting point, man. I think that's a really good one. To the, the, the younger son did have to do something. He did have to turn his face home. He did have to begin walking home. And I think, I mean, I don't want to turn this parable into this like comprehensive, you know, lesson on mm-hmm. on the life of following Jesus. But there is a sense where, I mean, you, the party, you're right. The party's not being thrown for you in the pig pen. It's when you realize I, I can't keep living like this. I need a savior. Mm-hmm. That's when you find yourself face-to-face with, with the father who's scanning the horizon waiting for you. And that's yeah. what it's, we call
0: repentance.
2: Right, but what, yeah. but what you don't see... Is this, you you know, we also talk the fancy word of sanctification of becoming, Mm -hmm. being made holy, being made like, like Christ. That is something that the spirit works on you after you come home, after you've given your life to Jesus. It's not what happens before. And I think what has become a major, um, well, it's, it's, it's been a, a stumbling block, in my opinion, for a lot of people in Especially the 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 U.S., especially young people, is that um, Christians have often made some level of morality or moral purity as the entry point into grace. Like if you you know if you don't smoke or drink or swear, like then you're welcome to join in and be, and meet Jesus and all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas it's the yeah. other way around with Jesus; he all he right. welcomes you in the moment you're ready to the moment you say yes, I I want to be a part of this family, boom, you're in. Mm. And then it's a matter of, okay, and now let's start getting you healed up. Let's start getting your, your brokenness, uh, whole again and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, um, And as I'm,
1: I mean, transformation doesn't happen through the means of the older brother. Never.
0: mm -mm.
1: Like the, the older brother's not transforming anyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He probably wants the, the dude to like be transformed. He probably wants him, but he like, Like you said, Barry, like the prerequisite to being transformed is come clean, come clean with all the stuff you did or like, here's what I get or whatever transformation never happens through that, those means. And so I think throughout history, like we get caught up in the older brother approach thinking that like we're getting to the same destination in people's lives of transformation. And that's just not, that's just not going to happen. Right. The transformation in people's lives happens through the approach of the father or mm-hmm. grace and it's so it's so weird that I get that confused and we get that confused as a as a church I guess that that we we think that we're we're helping people if we're coming at them with like prerequisites to to join the family
2: right, right. <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, it like I said, it's a it's a provocative parable because it yeah. This is exactly what happens when you start really digging into the parables of Jesus. They start taking you down these kind of roads and I love them. Hmm. So that wraps up Hope Month. Um
1: do you 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 guys both preached in Hope Month? Do you guys feel like uh we were able to communicate effectively um what we needed to as it relates to isolation and how to uh provide hope in situations where people are lonely? Do you feel like we did it.
0: I feel like it's been it's been a provocative series, Tyler. You just said it a couple minutes ago. It's like every week that we've done a podcast on the series, you're bringing a new confession to yeah. the pod. made yeah, people. Guys. It's made people look at the way they treat other people. It's made people look deep into their own hearts to see, you know, what do I believe about this unity. What do mm-hmm. I believe about my role in healing isolation? if you're isolated, I think it's hopefully made you um, want to take a step of bravery um, toward others and yeah it, it it's scary to do that. It's yeah. a brave thing to do that and I, I hope that we've positioned ourselves as a family to say, yeah, please, you know mm. let us love you um, but for others of us, I think. Like even with this sermon for me, it's super challenging, um, because too easily I I can identify with that older brother, um, because there's yeah. a there's a almost a sense of injustice, especially when the brothers yeah. like. You wouldn't even give me a goat for me and my right. friends, Yeah, you know, but you give I him this like,
1: calf or nothing.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't even give me a goat, you know, yeah. you just can hear the angst of the brother and yeah. the older brother. And I can definitely relate to that as well. Yeah. But the, the prayer, as we wrap up Hope Month is that God would give me the heart of the father. Like, make me more like the father. I get it that I'm out in the cold and I get it twisted sometimes. So Lord, when I have it twisted, would you please just help me to see it with your eyes and give me your heart towards this individual?
2: Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, Tyler, in answer to your question, um, I, you joked, or we, we said earlier, like, well, Hey, we did it. We healed isolation On to the next one. I, yeah. I think a lot of, this series is a bit aspirational. I don't know that we can say, Hey, we did it, you know, you know, shake the dust off, you know, whatever, whatever you do with your hands, when your hands are dirty and say, all right, job accomplished. I think we, we just kind of are beginning to kind of paint the picture of of what it could be and kind of beckoning people to something better, a different kind of way of living in an isolated time. Um, I hope and I pray and that, that that this was impactful for people. I did hear some great feedback from some who said that it definitely spoke to them. But this is the kind of thing that I mean you got to come back to again and mm-hmm. again and again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I would say for moving us, moving, moving, getting some momentum, I think it was a, it was a successful series. Did we solve isolation in our time? No. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's,
1: it's like Marin's ingredients, man. We gave everybody the ingredients over five weeks. Here's the ingredients of how daily, not just like you, you got to do this during hope month times, but like daily, you can help either heal your own isolation or other people's isolation. We, and we went through five different like topics and these are the ingredients that, contribute to healing it's not going to do everything but it it's what we can do um on this side of heaven to help heal someone's brokenness and isolation and Mm -hmm. i think we did the same thing last year with hatred it's like here's the four or five things that if we do this it's just the ingredients to get us started if we if we practice these things daily like this this is the fight against this this area of brokenness Mm mm-hmm Yeah. Um, all right. So you talked about October, Barry, where do we, where do we head in September?
2: Well, September we are doing a new series, which, um, by the way, if you watched online or at 146th street, um, Chris called it uh, turning points and that was incorrect. And it's my fault because I told him that was what it was called. (laughs) It's actually called if you only knew. Um, Ah. so whoops, sorry about that. But the series is basically nobody needed to know that. I want to take, responsibility <laughs> for my actions and my mistakes uh, and yeah. I don't want people thinking that Chris got it wrong because it was me um it's called if you only knew and basically we're looking at these four sort of well they are turning points in life uh from Ephesians 5 and 6 marriage uh caring for older uh elderly parents uh caring for for adolescent or young adult children living at home uh and when the bottom falls out, like when you face a, a trial or a crisis that you didn't see coming and and what scripture has to say about that. And the reason that we switched the name from Turning Points to If You Only Knew is because it's very easy with a series like this to think, oh, well, I'm not married, so I'll, I'll check out or, oh, I, well, I don't yeah. have aging parents, so it's not for me. The the reason that we're calling it the If You Only Knew is because, yes, we're going to probably get a little practical about some scriptural wisdom for these different, for people who are in these situations, but we're also going to be speaking to those who are a part of our community. When we have people in our community going through those things, what do, what, what do you need to know and understand about what's, what, people who are raising adult children are facing right now how mm-hmm. can we as a community serve them and love them even if that's not our own story um so that's kind of that's kind of uh cool. the, the twist similar to hope month where it was kind of like what do we do as a as a community to serve and what do we need as isolated people it's going to be kind of like that will there be kind of a dual a dual focus for the series yeah great Cool. I look forward to
1: that. Um, next week's Labor Day. So we're going to have to figure out something else out with the recording because Amy's coming yeah. in and she will yeah. not have it if we do not do the pod the week that she preached. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, have yeah. To,
2: we'll have to record it another day. We'll have for to sure. do
1: it. Um, so we'll do that. But in the meantime, Maren, will you please send us out?
0: I sure. will do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God.
1: And we'll see you on the other side as Sunday.